Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. We're here with you on the Big Red Bench till 7 o'clock. What a day it has been. That sun is incredible. Nearly called in sick today because it was so sunny. I was like, no, better go in and do the Big Red Bench this evening right here on Cork's Red FM. Although I'm kind of regretting it. Hmm. Coming up on the show tonight, reaction from Cork's uh, win over Clare. Today we're talking to selector John Hayes and we'll hear from the Clare manager, Colm Collins, today. Also on the show tonight, uh, a look back on an epic encounter in Porky Cueve. One for the ages as uh, Cork narrowly lost out to Dublin. We'll hear from Ify Fitzgerald and goalkeeper Martina O'Brien. We're talking to Spike O'Sullivan as well after his return to the ring last night and his win in Belgium and plenty more besides. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six on text or WhatsApp if you'd like to get in touch with us on the show. Hope you're listening to the show in the back garden. What a day it's been! Summer finally arriving in Cork, and hope you're certainly making the most of it. Just going to wrap up everything that's uh, been happening today, and of course uh, that victory for Cork today over Clare. Um, but despite the win. The Rebels will have to face a relegation playoff. They won 22 points to 118 over the banner today. However, Clare's superior scoring difference means that they go into the promotion playoff semi-final at the expense of Cork. Court needed to win by four to go into the promotion playoffs. Ronan McCarthy side now face West Meath and the other relegation battle. It'll be down and down versus Leash. While in the promotion uh, uh, playoffs, it'll be Mayo versus Clare and Meath versus Kildare. Elsewhere today, Dublin have beaten Galway 2-16 to 115 in their Alliance National Football League Division 1 South game at Toon this afternoon. Conor Calhoun and Aaron Byrne with the goals for the boys in blue. That result means they advance to the semi-finals. Elsewhere, Kerry have beaten Ross Common 215 to 112 at Dr. Hyde Park. David Clifford and Joe O'Connor finding the back of the net for the Kingdom. In Division 1 Group B of the Alliance National Hurling League, Kilkenny beat Wexford 227 to 23 points in their rescheduled game at Nolan Park today. Billy Ryan and TJ Reid with the goals for the Cats in the first half. We'll hear from Brian Cody and Davey Fitz a little bit later on in the show. Ladies Football Division 1A of the Lidl Ladies National Football League. Galway beating Westmead 613 to 27 at Pierce Stadium today. And in Division 1B, Waterford beat Munster Rivals Tipperary 5-12 to 2-12 in Clonmel. In cross-channel football today and in the League 1 playoff final out Wembley, Blackpool have beaten Lincoln City by two goals to one. One game here at home in the SSC are Tristan, the Women's National League, TLR Waves beating at Treaty United 5-0. That game was at Chapman Park. And earlier on today, the Republic of Ireland under-21s Last 2-0 to Switzerland and their friendly international that was at Marbella. The fourth seed Dominic team is out of the French Open at the first round. He was beaten 3-2 by Spain's Pablo Andujar earlier on today. Alexander Zverev currently trails the German Oscar Otte five games to three in the first set of their match. Stefano Tsitsipas gets his campaign underway later on this evening. In the women's singles draw, the third seed Arena Sabalenka has beaten Anna Konja in straight sets to advance to the next round. Earlier, world number two Naomi Osaka progressing to the next drum with a straight sets win over Patricia Maria Tig. She's since been fined $15,000 for not going to the press conference after the match. She had previously said she wouldn't do 
post-match media due to the impact on her mental health. Now, the uh, there has been a statement issued by uh, French Open organisers um, who say that uh, she's been threatened with being defaulted from the Open basically as a result. Uh, the statement says the Roland Garros teams asked her to reconsider her position and tried unsuccessfully to speak with her to check on her well-being, understand the specifics of her issue and what might be done to address it on site. The statement continues, the mental health of players competing in our tournaments and on the tours is of utmost importance to the Grand Slams. We, individually and collectively, have significant resources dedicated to player well-being. In order to continue to improve, however, we need engagement from the players to understand their perspective and find ways to improve their experiences. A core element of the Grand Slam regulations is the responsibility of the players to engage with the media, whatever the result of their match, a responsibility which players take for the benefit of the sport, the fans and for themselves. We have advised Naomi Osaka that should she continue to ignore her media obligations during the tournament, she would be exposing herself to possible further code of conduct infringement consequences, as might be expected. Repeat violations attract tougher sanctions including default from the tournament and the trigger of a major offence investigation that could lead to more substantial fines and future Grand Slam suspensions. So they're certainly not taking that lying down. It'll be interesting to see what Osaka's response is, if any, if she just continues not to report for the media and uh, calls their bluff. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Elsewhere, Bernd Weisberger of Austria has won the Maiden Himmeland tournament on the European Tour in Denmark, finishing up in 21 on par, five shots clear of the chasing pack. And Jordan Spieth leading Jason Kokrak by one shot on 15 on par, heading into the final 18 holes of the Charles Schwab Challenge in Texas. And in cycling, the Colombian Egan Bernal won the Giro d'Italia today after the final time trial stage in Milan. It's the second tour he's won in his career. Ireland's Dan Martin finishing up in 10th place. All right, reaction from Cork's victory over Clare. Going to hear from the uh, Clare manager, Colm Collins, in a bit. I got a chance to phone Cork's selector, John Hayes, uh, just after the game to get his perspective on the match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely mixed feelings coming out of the game. Um, look, it's a big improvement on the last couple of times that, that Cork have gone to, uh, gone to Ennis and gone to Clare and been beaten quite easily the last couple of times. So to turn it around and get a win is, is a positive but unfortunately not enough to, to get us into the playoff semi-finals um, and look it was disappointing um, tight game but uh, the damage was done in the first first round against Kildare It certainly was um, What was the most pleasing aspect I suppose of the performance today? Um, well I thought our, our scoring efficiency was excellent in, in the sense that we got 22 points and I I don't know, I think it was 18 or 19 of those from play. I'm not sure totally. Um, but, you know, I think 22 points is, is very good scoring. And uh, the way we actually took out a win at the end when, when Clare came back at us, we were down to 14 and they got a level. You know, getting a win, even though it didn't get us into the playoff uh, picture, getting a win was important today. And uh, bouncing back from the Clare game with two wins is, is pleasing as well. How big a factor was Brian Hurley sending off in the second half? Yeah, look, it was a factor because Brian was playing well when he came in. Uh, he was after getting a couple of points. Um, I didn't see the first incident. Uh, the second one, I thought it was, it was a little bit harsh on Brian, I would have felt. But, you know, uh, he might have given the referee an excuse to, to send him off. I, I need to see it again to, to, to make a a proper judgment on it but it was it was disappointing for us because you know I felt we had come into the game at that stage we'd made a few changes and those those changes were having an effect 
and to lose Brian um, and the target man that he was at 14 was, was disappointing and you lost a couple of big players today to injury as well Kieran Sheehan Daniel Amani Sean Powder I mean like how big a factor was that? yeah Daniel went off early so obviously we had to make a change there um, which just maybe unsettled our defence for a little while it took us a little while to, to settle um, but from the first water break on once we got the guys a little bit more organised um, we, we did a lot better um, so look it's it's disappointing to lose Daniel because he's a, a new player, a young player who's been doing well. Um, but that's what the squad is for. And you know, the guys that came in um, did their job, did what we asked of them. Um, so uh, it was a good impact from our bench again. Um, hopefully, Daniel, Kieran, and Sean. Hopefully, none of their injuries are too serious, and we hope to have them back for the the playoff game against Westmead in two weeks. Yeah, and it is Westmead now, as you said, in two weeks' time. Um, what do you know about them at this stage? Um, so I, I don't know an awful lot about them myself. I'm going to have to do some uh, video research before the game, but I know Keen and Ronan will, will know them from having played them uh, a couple of years ago uh, up in up Westmead. And Keen has uh, a, a vast knowledge of pretty much every every team in the country. So we'll be, um, we'll be waiting for the, the, the video previews and video reviews from, from Keen to, to get an expectation of, of, of what, what can we expect from Westmead Are you happier now you've got a kind of a, a week off to get the lads ready for, for the game would you rather be out next weekend No I think it's good now to get a week off um, look three weeks in a row after such a long yeah. period of inactivity is tough on the guys and tough on their bodies and you can see it in the, the injuries that we've had um, all along and the injuries that we picked up today um, so the week off next week is valuable we need to use it wisely to give the guys that need rest rest get get some training and hopefully uh, some sort of game minutes into the guys who maybe haven't played as much uh, but definitely uh, two weeks is, uh, is a positive at this stage after the three weeks in all. Alright perfect John thanks for talking to us today Okay, thanks very much, Roy. That's John Hayes, the Cork selector there, uh, speaking to us after the win over Clare and uh, narrowly um, going into the uh, relegation playoff as a result. They needed to win by four, just one by one today. But a good performance, a good game of football as well. Really enjoyed watching this one this afternoon. Uh, so it will be Westmeath in two weeks' time for the Rebels. Uh, let's hear from the Clare camp. Their manager, Colm Collins, has been talking to Derek Lynch and Clare FM. Colin Collins, a smile on your face and most other faces, which is ironic, I suppose, after one point loss, but what it means is incredible stuff. Yeah, um, vital vital to retain Division 2 status for a start, and then also vital that we're in a playoff for uh, a chance to get to Division 1. Now, while it's a tall order we're playing, I think it's Mayo we're playing, but uh, listen to me, if you're not in, you can't win, and we're delighted to be there. Talk to me not just about that performance, Colin, but the three performances in this league so far. I mean, ultra-consistent, good scoring rates, and, and no goals conceded. Yeah, very proud of that. Um, you know, like I was saying to the lads there, there's um, a lot of people to take a bow here. You know, there's an awful cult about managers and things like that. This whole thing wouldn't exist without a fantastic team behind us. Uh, everybody in the background are so good. And like that whole area, Jerry McGowan, is, he, can, he can take a bow on that. Like, I mean, we're defensively way sounder this year. Uh, and and that's, he, he has, has emphasised that. And it's great to see it working for him. I thought, ironically, I thought that was our best display. Mm. And we lost. 
But um, what you call it, uh, no one, and as I said, very happy, very happy with the whole thing. Recover from a slow start, I suppose. The thing of having no crowds and we can hear you a little bit clearer. And when that penalty went in, the immediate roar was, now wake up. You know, it was that was the jolt that they needed, probably. Yeah, I thought that uh, took us a long time to get to the pace of the game. That uh, we, were, we were allowing Cork to dictate at the start. But in fairness to Cork, I would, I would say this, I don't know now, I suppose, you know, it's hard to, to make a comment about another team. But I think that that was their best performance as well. I think that was the, the best football that they've played so far. So, uh, all in all, a good, a good match. Just a pity that there wasn't a, a full ground to see it. Yeah. Talking now, looking ahead, I mean, you've Mayo in a couple of weeks' time and then on to Kerry. I mean, you couldn't be asking for better preparation. Well, it's a fantastic to get the quality of Mayo prior to the Kerry game. That's, that's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, we couldn't have asked for any more. Talk to you about your panel, Colin. Yeah. Probably would have given away the flipping ball, we'd be fine. We'd be grand. Yeah. We'd be grand. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, all, all people get a pass sometimes around here. But talk to you, Colin, finally about your panel. I mean, there's the likes of Arden Griffin coming in, they're making a real difference. Eamon McMahon, all these guys standing up when needed. Yeah, absolutely. There's a real strong panel there. And, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's great to see fellas when they get their chance coming in and grabbing it, you know. And uh, it was. Uh, it was uh, Barron in particular really made a massive difference at the end there when he ran at them and uh, they, they were vital they were absolutely vital scores I think what did Cork to win by four is it? Mm. so you know they were absolutely crucial scores Just very finally I know you're very slow to take praise yourself but I mean the consistency of this Clare team since you went up after that uh, final in 2016 to do what you've done is un- unbelievable Well what you, what's very important here now and is, is that it, this is not me it, it isn't and, and, and I'm sincerely that it's a massive there's a team behind the team here if you'd like Declan O'Keefe who's a brilliant coach you've, you've Jerry and all the Rob all these people Declan Downs Enda everybody and then you know Jim Tom everybody doing their job really well which makes it very easy and uh, and, and that, that's it you know that I know that people love the kind of cult of a manager and somebody being the genius but that's not the case it's, it's, a, it's a group of people like we have a stats team you know you know one of them very well Dermot's and uh, they're top class, like absolutely top class, you know. So um, everybody does their job so well, it makes it so easy and uh, gives the lads a great opportunity. And lastly, the players, you know, God almighty, I wouldn't swap them for any group of players in the country. You know, honesty, you know, complete honesty, give you everything they have and uh, you'd have to be very proud to be associated with them. Just an update on injuries, Colm, if I can. The, the lads that are out at the minute, how likely are they to be back? Um, I think Podge is OK. He'll be back. Jamie will be touch and go for Mayo. Uh, um, I think they're the, the two long-term. Kevin, I'd say, is in trouble. The Achilles is a very slow injury to heal. Owen could be OK as well. He, he and um, Kieran Morrissey, both of those, there's just small injuries, so we would hope that they would recover quickly. But uh, all in all, considering what has happened some other teams, We've been we've been very good and uh, credit to Shane Mack, the, the physio, and credit to Rob McCaghy and, and Claire. You know that that these fellas, that most of our team are are, are, are fit and able to play. Yeah, classy stuff there from uh, Colm Collins, making sure everyone else takes the credit for uh, Clare's uh, form over uh, the last couple of years. And uh, as he said, happy that they are in the promotion uh, playoff uh, despite the defeat to Cork today. And it is now that they will face. So it'll be Westmeath now for Cork after their one point loss down today. Let's hear now from Westmeath's Jack Cooney as he was speaking to Midlands 103. Yeah, I think there was um, probably a bit of a hangover from last week. You know, like last week was a massive effort from the lads. And. Uh, it just took us it took us a good 25 30 minutes to get a bit of running into the legs at the same time we probably created a couple of 
goal chances we definitely won good goal chance in the first half if that went in it would it was a great block on the line by a down defender if that went in um, you know it would the scoreboard is looking completely different at half time but I'd have to say in the last even in the last 10 minutes 15 minutes I thought the effort probably even a bit more 20 the effort from the lads was unbelievable you know they got energy they started going at down um, and you know realistically we could have come away there with four or five goals you know and we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been out of place with that at half time were you disappointed you only had three points on the board what were you saying to the lads at half time you had 35 more minutes and maybe the little breeze behind you did you think you could maybe win it at that stage ah yeah like it's about just been composed composed at half time you know and uh, we we the big, the big stat for us at half time is that we were turning the ball over in their half unnecessarily. You know, so we were getting the ball in there, but we weren't actually, um, we weren't actually creating chances off it. You know, uh, and then we were probably lacking a little bit of intensity in in, in, in our defence to try and get contact on down. So, and they punished for us. They were they were well worked their nine point scores at half time, um, but again. You know, they even started, they stretched it at the start of the second half. And I think then from there we took over. And uh, I thought the lads were, uh, their effort was outstanding, you know, in the last 25 minutes. Yeah, I went to the bench, you brought in Folo, he scored a brilliant goal. That gave the lads that little bit more energy at that stage. At that stage, yeah, to Ronan Sue started getting on the ball, you know, and uh, Ronan Wallace, who was outstanding, you know, made really good penetration runs down through their defence, opened them up every time. Um, but like those balls coming off posts and crossbars and defenders and I don't know how the ball didn't go in you know they definitely should have come away with another two or three goals anyway and of course looking to the relegation playoff with Cork uh, mm. is it a Cork venue someone was saying here this evening I think so yeah not going to be easy no it's not going to be easy but like um, our starting point now is where we finished the game today you know bring that energy and that effort and I thought it was and that's, that's where we'll work on that now over the next couple of weeks there was always going to be a relegation semi-final you know following the second game so it was just a matter of who it was and we just have to get our heads around it now after the two opening games against Mead which was a very good performance from me great game last weekend mm. did you think the, the energy level fell a bit today it was hard to get in get going in the game possibly you know like there were two big games to play you know and uh, Down probably had a little bit more energy than us in the first half they probably changed up the way they played as well over the last couple of games, so they were a lot more direct. Um, but look, at, there was a couple of there's a couple of situations where you're, you have a ball. I thought we we worked the ball into a really really good position in the corner there, you know. Uh, definitely a call for a free, and it didn't happen. So like, you know, we're not we're not getting the rub of the green in a lot of areas, you know. Here, Mark, um, we're off injured. How bad is it? Yeah, he's off. Awesome. Um, we didn't assess it there now, he's after hurting his, his, uh, his ankle there, so we'll have a look. He carried a bit of an injury in over the last couple of weeks with his knee, so it might be a result of something from there, but we'll, we'll have a look at it and see during the week. That's West Mead's Jack Cooney there speaking to Midlands 103. Knows it's going to be a difficult uh, clash against Cork in that relegation playoff, but that'll be uh, in two weeks' time. So both teams out with a week off, uh, weekend off next weekend to, to recover. And as we heard from John Hayes earlier on, it's welcome for them considering they picked up a number of injuries today. So it'll be Cork versus Westmeath in that relegation playoff and uh, believes to be in Parky Cueve as well. Uh, briefly, I'm uh, going to hear from the Wexford and Kilkenny man managers today Kilkenny winning by 10 points over Wexford today uh, going to hear first from Dave Fitzgerald Wexford boss 
because you look a bit flat in the first half and uh, second half a bit more energy um, yeah flat is putting a mile when you're down 14 points at half time it isn't a nice place to be inside there so it isn't especially when you're playing Kilkenny at home um, but I'm extremely proud of the lads um, they fought hard like I think we won the second half by four missed the goal we probably should have got and a few bad wides so we held around the second half and we're probably a bit more set up the way we should be um, first half I will be disappointed in the two goals we give up but that's the name of the, that's the, name of the game hopefully we'll uh, get a bit of time to rectify that but I thought Kilkenny were awesome today they moved the ball like it's a completely different style of hurling for Kilkenny if you watch now compared to what they would have played 10 years ago now they're using it short using it long and to me hurling is great that you can do every sort of skill and they've certainly come a long way and fair play to them and um It'll be it'll be a very interesting summer and trust me, Kilkenny will be right up there. Do you, are Kilkenny coping well with this new style? Because for all of us who've been watching Kilkenny for many years, we were wondering what it would be like. Are they making a good job of it? I, I definitely think they're um they they've definitely um got the grips of it way more. And I, I think it's important, Nicky, with the way the game has gone, you have to adapt all the time. That's just the way things happen in life even. Um things prop up and you got to adapt to it and they did. So um they're doing okay they did okay today and you know from where I was standing so um but you know what we've five or six more weeks and we've the first round of the championship and we want to know what the story is as, as we get to June or July that's Dave Fitzgerald there speaking after their last click and you're going to hear now from Brian Cody yeah, are you happy about the progress that's being made because they seem to be improving to me every day and getting sharper in that space to be honest I don't look at it like that at all like you know because I mean everybody anyone ever played hurling like you the, the, the kind of philosophy would be that you'd always try to give the ball to the man in the best position like Phil it could be, it could be a hand pass of five yards or it could be a 60 yard pass as well you know so you do what you do what you do and obviously they've had this tall, huge talk and emphasis being put on, on, on these those kinds of things now but I don't see it as anything major to be honest about it now in terms of the game itself there was an enormous amount of freeze day and an amount of scores and freeze now I come from the old school of hurling where I'd like to see the play develop a little bit more and let go on do you have a view on all these freeze that are being given uh, well I wouldn't be from the old school Nicky at all like you know I mean, I mean why would I be you know so I mean um, look um, the referee has to do his job I'm not going to start on discussing how he how he did or how he didn't do or anything like that and the game is the game and the rule makers make the rules and we have to whatever kind of a game is put in front of us you have to try and, and, and play it uh, my last question now on the lads here uh, Kenny could be playing Wexford in the championship in the not too distant future I think we'll see a different game yeah look obviously I mean it's, this is league and, and, and championship is, is what everybody is thinking about and talking about and probably in about five weeks time I mean they have to play a leash and I certainly won't disrespect either of the teams are saying who's going to win the match but we, 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 we have a straight run to the Lancer semi-final so we'll play our two league matches and we'll, we'll prepare for the championship that's Brian Cody there speaking after their win over Wexford today and both lads there speaking to KCLR Alright, uh, let's talk about a cracker last night like You talk about cracking games Cork and Dublin producing what will undoubtedly be talked about as one of the games of the year last night in the Lidl Ladies National Football League The Dubs edging a cracker by a single point uh, Dublin 3.15, Cork 4.11 was how it finished Hannah Looney, Kira O'Sullivan, Cy Valeri and Emma Cleary with the goals for the Rebels and absolutely scintillating scintillating game of football last night on the park Jeremy McCarthy was there for us and he spoke to Cork goalkeeper Martina O'Brien Martina as, as National League games go between yourselves and Dublin that's up there with one of the best but from a player's point of view tail of two halves you were 
sticking with them as best you could in the first half. Second half, he burst on 2-1 straight after halftime. But from your perspective, how did you see the game going? Um, I suppose it's really hard to tell. Like it's it's both our second matches, and and we were really, you know, we I suppose both teams were feeling their way into the game. There's lots of mistakes on both sides. First half, you know, like what what was it eight six at, at halftime, and it was very nick, nip and talking. I suppose again mistakes in the first half cost both teams but um, look I, th- I think the second half was just a great spectacle to be fair like how many goals was there there was seven goals was there in in a second half like so I, I mean we, we like to provide a bit of entertainment anyway at least um, look I suppose on our, for ourselves we can we can only look forward and um, kind of work on the mistakes that we did make there was a lot a lot of them but um we're getting somewhere anyway. Do you know we're we're putting plays together. Um, we were opened up at the back. There was a lot of mistakes back there as well. But again, there are things we can work on. So I think we're happy enough. Um, just from a goalkeeping perspective, with your experience, you made one fantastic save. But the goalkeeper Abby Shields at the opposite end, she played out of her skin tonight. What did you think of her performance? I, I'm actually very surprised she didn't get one in the match. I don't think she did, did she? No. Um, unbelievable. Like to be fair, like she's only a young girl of 18, and I mean. Um, coming on to an All-Ireland winning team and, and doing that it was very very good um, look we on I suppose viewing for us we want to be finishing those um, and not making a goalkeeper do do those kind of things like you know uh, look spectacular but um, no she, she was brilliant but um, again we, we need to be better I suppose we need to finish better even one of those would have won us the match so look it's something for us to work on again and, and it, it'll be worse if we had nothing to work on just finally look ahead to that Waterford game is that the good thing about the league now that it's, it is shortened this year it's a short turnaround you got to get your stuff done at training Wednesday night and hit the ground running next weekend yeah and look I think we, we like it that way too there, nobody wants to be waiting two weekends or three weekends in between games and um, we have as I said lots and lots to work on but everyone had their head held there now and coming out and we're, we're ready to put in the work I suppose and uh, Waterford would be a big test now we have to go to them and like we have to win obviously if we want to kind of progress so um, it's shoulder to wheel now on Wednesday and, and we'll, we'll work on some things and, and hopefully bring them into the game next weekend The big red bench on Cork so the that's Cork goalkeeper Martin O'Brien there speaking to Joe McCarthy after that epic clash down in the park last night Gerald's got a chance to speak to Cork boss Aoife Fitzgerald um, Evie Fitzgerald from a neutral's point of view that was absorbing entertaining um, almost a bit too hectic what was it like from a manager's point of view coming up short by a point to the other in Champions tonight yeah I suppose it was the same really um, it was just kind of a slow burn at the, at the start and then you know just hit for tat after half time we exploded and got two goals and could have had another one you know we created so many goal chances tonight it was you know I, I was really really well pleased with that Um Unfortunately, became a little bit sharp, but I'm not too worried about it. Like our response was very, very good. You know, individual errors cost us. All throughout the game, I think we gave away an awful lot of ball. Um, we were sloppy in possession at times, and you know, if you turn over against Dublin, they're you know they're very, very quick on the break, and you know, and with Hannah Terrell back with them now, she's a real you know pacey girl and that, so she causes a lot of trouble tonight. But that said, I was very, very proud with her, with her own girls' performance. Again, I thought Saif stood up very well tonight. Erica, Melissa, the usual gang, you know, and Kira Sullivan it was a real rip-rolling contest. So from that point of view, I have to say, 
um, please. The result, you know, obviously you you prefer. We we should have probably got a draw on the finish of it, but um, that said, I can't be displeased with the with the attitude of the girls, particularly because when you're playing Dublin, you definitely need, you know, you need that steel and you need that character. And I think we showed that in abundance tonight. You know, when things were going against us from time to time, we really really battled back. And you know, there's loads of things we can tidy up. And as I say, a lot of their scores came from individual errors. So um, that's pleasing in a way. You know, obviously we don't want to be conceding goals, but it's certainly pleasing in terms of of things we can work on and I thought our pace and our movement um, in the forward line you know their goalkeeper in fairness to her made a couple of great saves she made two or three great saves in the first five is it yeah yeah so um, that's you know fair play to her so um, but I think we you know we kept going and kept going and you know in the finish of it we were very strong there was only one team really really in it for the last five or six minutes so so a lot of pleasing aspects to it but again it's a league match so we know we'll have to improve obviously they've getting Tyrrell in there is, is a big bonus to them now um, particularly in light of the fact that Noel Healy is gone but you know and I know they have a few players tied to that team as well I suppose but so have we so it's, it's going to make for, for interesting um, work I think the big thing for us is belief you know I think that'll, that should give the girls a lot of belief you know against Dublin the last I suppose the last number of games we played we, we were a little bit more <coughs> conservative and we scored 1-5 I think they all earned final and you know games prior to that they were tit for that I think we we have a lot of pace and, and, and power now but we're a work in progress you know it's, it's a lot of young girls we're trying to bait in there and, and give people a chance and that so um, all in all you know happy with the performance but you know we, you know, I suppose the draw on the night would have been definitely a fair result What well, was said at half time because you were held scoreless from open play you turned the ball over 15 times you weren't playing badly it's just that they were really pressing high up the pitch and he, what, was, what was the kind of message? That was it essentially like a lot of their scores were, were, were coming from our turnovers and we didn't have enough movement for the kickouts um, which put Martin under pressure which you know and pressure builds on goalkeepers to be fair you know if you, if you, if you miss one or two even though I think we had 83% of we, we won 83% of our kickouts, but then we turned them over, taking them to tackles and stuff that we're, we're trying to get out of the girls, to be honest. Um, so we took a lot of, you know, we took a lot of wrong options, I think, in the first half. But again, getting used to the pace of, of, the, of how Dublin play probably takes a little bit of getting used to, particularly for the younger, for the newer girls. But, um, but I think, you know, when, when you look back on it, I don't think there was a whole lot between the teams, you know. They're obviously, they're physically, they're, 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 they're a lot bigger than we are and they're strong and, you know, they're very mobile. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of strength and we have a lot of football as well. So, it, you know, I think it all goes well for the, for the summer and hopefully, you know, we've won for now next week so we have to win that now probably to, to qualify in the league and, and that's fair enough as well. So we, we'll get back to it on Wednesday night and um, have a look at the game and, and, and see where we go from there. How did tonight's result alter that? Because, I mean, you were going to go down to Waterford to want to win anyway, but does it alter the way you approach it now because you need to win? No, no. Like the season is so short. I mean, we only have a few games, so um, Waterford will be no different to tonight, you know. Again, we'll try and, you know, we were hope maybe we'd have Anya Terry um, back tonight, but it was a bit soon for her, and we have Marie Ambrose, who's nearly back as well. So, like, the, there's a lot of things going on that, that are nearly, but um, but hopefully, in in the next couple of weeks, we'll, maybe next week, we'll be able to get a game time into them. Um, Darren O'Sullivan's out for a few weeks now as well, so you know, we've a lot of niggly injuries and, and things. Laura Manny's on the way back, you know, hopefully, we'll see a bit of her maybe in the next couple of weeks. So, um, like, what we want is competition for places, and you know, but I, I must say, I have to say tonight, um, I was proud of the girls, you know, on, on another day, we. We, we could have won the match but when you're playing the All-Ireland Champions and with the experience they have and, and that it's, it's, it's heartening to know that we're very very competitive there 
I suppose EP2 as well, you must be very pleased with the likes of young Saibo and others who were coming in. They're really putting yeah. that pressure on maybe some of the established players for those places. Yeah, I thought so. His movement, like her movement is excellent, and you know, she's a real killer instinct for goal. You know, she goes for it. Um, no, tonight I thought some of the refereeing decisions were, were absolutely very, very poor. I mean, the last two, we had two chances. Kira was going through for the goal, she gets dragged down, and he'd, you know, no yellow card. What's a yellow card for? You know, and that's not so grave, that's just fact. We had two, it happened to Kira twice in the last five minutes. Now, if you're going to referee games like that, um, it, it's very disheartening for the girls, you know, it's very, very disheartening. Now, do I blame Dublin for doing it? Not at all, not at all. But it, there should be a consequence for those things. We definitely would have been in on goal if, if um, I think it was Alvin Kira. Yeah, I'm not sure who did it, but, you know, and, and that's fair enough, that's our prerogative, but when they get away with those things, I think it's... it's um, you know, it, it, it's just the, the referee. I think, to be fair to Dublin, and you know, you have to admire their physicality, and they, they brought the game to a new level. And I don't know whether the rules match the game now at this stage. And we're trying to do this, you know, we're trying to catch up in that sense. You know, the fitness levels, the yeah, you know, the the strength, um, and that it's very, very difficult. And I know it's a hard job refereeing games, but um, but I was just, I was very disappointed, I must say, with that aspect of it in the last few minutes. You mentioned Kira there. She certainly um, showed, used all her experience and led by example in that second half. Even she had a superb second half and, yeah. and, showed, and showed really what she's all about. Yeah, and to, you know, when Kira plays like that, she's, you know, she's, she's a joy to behold, really. You know, and I, mean, she, I don't know how many times she was fouled tonight, but, you know, she just gets up and goes, goes at it again. But I thought, in general, our forward line, I suppose Abby O'Man, it was a big ordeal for Abby, um, starting a game of that magnitude. But it's a bit of experience for her. Likewise, Dara, you know. Um, so, but, like, it's a learning, it's a learning process for, for all of those girls. I mean, again, I thought Erica O'Shea tonight, you know, she's, she's some operator, you know. Um, Ashley Hutch's first game of the year, you know, she's been struggling with injury for a while. I thought really that when we put her back on her back on Cueve, I thought she did a very, very good job. And um, Rogine Feeling. So it's like we're, you know, I suppose we're dependent on keeping keeping people fit, but um but I have to say I'm very, very pleased with not pleased with the outcome obviously, but very pleased with the performance. Yeah, an absolutely cracking game last night down in Porky Cueve and uh, Dublin just the one point winners in the end 3.15 to 4.11 is how it finished in favour of the Dubs and Cork the width of a post from getting a draw last night Emma Cleary's uh, shot uh, in the last minute coming back off the post but yeah really really brilliant stuff from uh, both Cork and Dublin last night a great advert uh, for ladies football in general absolutely brilliant stuff if you haven't seen any get a chance to watch it back too it was uh, a breathtaking game of football still to come on the show we are going to talk to our buddy Spike O'Sullivan he was back in action in Belgium last night got the win we're talking to Spike next Breakfast on Cork's Red FM. So this um, business of the 105 minutes in a restaurant. All right, Indoor okay. dining, you can have six adults and I think nine children. So you, the max is 15 at a table. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a lot of children. What if you've got some really small friends? Could they pass? As, could, you, could you try and pass <laughs> off your... Like Laura, we could try and pass Laura off as a child. <laughs> Breakfast with Ray Foley. With Hertz Car Sales. Shop, click and pick your car online today. HertzCarsales.ie Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Very glad you could join us on the Big Red Bench this evening. We're here with you until 7 p.m. tonight. And if you missed last night's show, you can get the podcast 
redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcasts from and uh, it features a fantastic interview that Valerie did with former Cork County Board Chairperson Tracy Kennedy so that's available on yesterday's show so go to redfm.ie for that and uh, you'll find it in our podcast section or else uh, wherever you download your podcast from on your phone you can get it there as well but certainly well worth checking out that uh, expansive interview with Tracy Kennedy talking about all about her time uh, as the uh, county board chairperson so really really worth checking that one out um, boxing now though and our pal Spike O'Sullivan was back in the ring last night after an absence of almost 18 months Spike defeated uh, a game Nodar Robakidze in Liège winning by unanimous decision after a 6th round fight I managed to get hold of Spike when he was travelling home early on today. Spike joins us now from where in the world are you Spike? I'm in Amsterdam getting a connecting flight there uh, just flew in from Brussels Happy days Our flight from Brussels Happy days Tell us um, last night um, a good win a good workout and good to be back in the ring after a long absence well, It was almost a year and a half out so it was good to get in and uh, shake off a few uh, cobwebs a little rust you know uh, good to get the win and uh, better to work out yeah. good, good uh, your own to me yeah yeah, six rounds, no doubt, Robert Kidzi, uh, uh You beat him in Liège last night. Uh, a tough opponent, but uh, good to get back in and good to get the rounds under your belt. He's a tough experience guy. Uh, yeah, but, but definitely that was the exercise of the boys just to get the rounds under the belt and uh, get, a, get a win and uh, get back on the horse, as I said. Exactly. Uh, do you feel your, um, I suppose, with a year and a half out, Spike, was you a bit like, kind of ring rusty last night, or how, how, how did it feel the first couple of rounds? Yeah, it was indeed. I felt a bit rusty in there, and uh, it was just a bit different with uh, you know no t-shirt on and just in the shorts, back in the shorts, and the boots, and you know, it was a bit strange weather without the crowd. But I was glad to get the experience of that, you know, uh, in the COVID, but the COVID experience as such, it's good to experience that. As I think that I got the opportunity to do it. How frustrating has it been, I suppose, with your inactivity over the last year and a half, and how good did it feel to to be back in there last night? Well, it's it been uh, frustrating uh, career-wise, but I've enjoyed myself with the family at home, and uh, you know, I think uh, that was unprecedented getting to spend the full year at home with the family. So I really enjoyed that, and uh, you know, so it was positive to be taken out of as well. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and obviously, you don't want to spend another year and a half uh, in between your next fight. What's the the plan for next, oh. now, Spike? <laughs> Not too sure. It could be actually back here in Belgium there's a world title fight, uh, maybe on the end of Canada in July. Or else I might be back in America uh, talking about and by promotions at the moment and uh, I'm not sure my, my manager has to talk with them so uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the exact plan is but hopefully fight in the summer anyway Fingers crossed yeah um, down at £154 as well do you feel like that's your preferred weight your natural weight? I think so yeah I'm uh, more equal in size with the, the opponent whereas when I spied in the middle of it they were bigger you know bigger men at the elite level uh, they're very big for me is there any fights you'd like next, Spike? Um, I haven't really thought about it too much. You know, I was just kind of focusing on the one last night and uh, just like to fight maybe for a title in uh, my next fight if the opportunity arises. Fantastic stuff, yeah. Mary, I'll let you go there, Spike. Thanks very much for joining us uh, today. Congratulations on the win last night and we'll uh, chat to you soon. Thanks very much, Rory. Good talking to you, Zalbus. See you soon.
Yeah, good to talk to Spike uh, briefly this afternoon. Uh, just catching him in between flights as uh, he was heading back to Cork after that win last night in Liège and uh, a good performance, good to get the ring rust out of him uh, against that uh, opponent, Noda Robakidzi, last night. Uh, six rounds, Spike uh, taking home a unanimous decision win as well. So good to see Spike uh, get back in. It's been a while since his fight. He said 18 months there since he uh, lost to Jaime Munguia. So great to see Spike back in action. Hopefully he's a lot more active this year. Of course, couldn't really be in action last year because of the COVID pandemic. He had a fight uh, call off a couple of weeks back. Uh, good to get back on the horse this week. And uh, fantastic stuff and a fantastic win as well for uh, Jason Quigley last night as he beat uh, Shane Mosley Jr. Um, on a majority decision. Fantastic stuff uh, from the Donegal native. Um, brilliant stuff from him. And uh, he goes to 19-1 and now. And that was the first, uh, the fourth pro defeat for for Shane Mosley Jr. as well, and his first since 2018. So fantastic stuff last night from Jason Quigley. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Cole Ramblers in a bit. A fantastic weekend from them. We're going to hear from uh, Stuart Ashton. But first, uh, Valerie has been speaking to para athlete and high jump star Jordan Lee earlier on. He is part of the Circle K team, which has launched a new initiative that gives the public the chance to show their creativity and support for Team Ireland ahead of the Tokyo Summer Games. And uh, Valerie's been talking to him all about that and his uh, plans for Tokyo this year. Appreciate it. Jordan, how has life been for you at the moment? How are things? Good, yeah, fantastic. Um, quite hectic and busy, as you can imagine, especially on the lead-up to the European Championships that are on next week, as well as the Paralympic Games and Olympic Games that are going to be on over the next coming months. So training has been at an all-time high. Um, just currently back off a training camp as well over in the UK. Um, I was over training in the National Indoor Arena with one of the best high jump coaches in the world in Fuzz Ken. And also one of the best high jump groups in the world as well. So just coming off the back of that training. So we're feeling good, feeling positive. Uh, how, how is training going for the moment? I presume that you never take a day off because you don't want to miss out on anything in the lead up to all this um, Europeans and the Olympics. Definitely, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I've got a structure plan that I stick to diligently where, you know, I have a heavy session. I have a heavy session on a certain day like today, for example. I've got a track session where I'm focusing mainly on my technical drills and approach and how smooth that is coming towards the bear with a certain amount of playable contacts. Then I'll be waiting a couple of hours after my track session. And then I'm moving on to my gym session. That's later on that evening. So I'm having, I'm having double sessions during the day, uh, which are quite tough, quite strenuous and fatiguing, especially when you're trying to squat 200 kilos for reps after your track session that morning. So the following day, um, I usually just have a recovery session that consists mainly of just intense core mobility uh, and all just recovery methods then as well on top of it. So it's um, it's very hectic. It's a combination of things that, that make you a good athlete, especially when you're competing in individual sport. Yeah, we'll get into the high jump and how you got into it in just a little bit. But for anyone that doesn't know your story, maybe you can start by telling us about, you know, your journey and where it all began. Definitely. So my first sport that I showed any real interest or desire in was basketball. That mainly being that my father was a basketball player for the National League team in Killarney, St. Paul's. So I was always around that basketball environment. I remember being at his training sessions from, you know, from a very young age, from, from the age of four and five. And apparently I was at his training sessions and games while I was in a buggy as well. 
So it was only bound for me at some stage to actually want to pick up a ball and uh, really try out the sport of basketball and play it properly. Um, so it came to a stage when I was five years of age. And I remember sitting in the car and my dad asked me, did I want to go to a basketball training? And my first ever basketball training session and me being delighted. Saying, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the let's go to the court. And I remember opening the door in St. Brendan's College Killarney in the same. And it was basically like a scene from a movie. It's actually quite funny to talk about where I opened the door and it was as if everybody stopped bouncing the basketballs and that people were talking to each other. They were whispering at each other. They were pointing at me in my arm as if I couldn't hear or see what they were doing. Um, saying stuff like, you know, how is he ever going to play basketball? Oh, look at that guy. He's only got one hand. How is he going to be able to shoot the ball? All of these things. And as you can imagine, as a five-year-old, that could be quite hard to take at times. But what I find funny is how nine short years later, after my first basketball training session, I became the first one-handed basketball player to ever represent their country nationally in the world. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud about. And I think looking back on it, I definitely proved all those people wrong. Um, took a lot of hard work and dedication to get there, as you can imagine. Um, I would get up every morning at six o'clock before school to go swimming and to go shooting some hoops at my dad. Um, so I was determined and I was just on a mission to ultimately achieve my goal and that was to represent my country. What was it like, as you mentioned, you're only five years of age and a lot of people might think, ah, he didn't really know any different then and people stopping and staring, but you clearly did, Jordan. Like, you clearly, you'll never forget that moment and how, like, how did it make you feel there and then? It's a moment I'm grateful for and I think that's quite an unusual approach um, in that situation, but it was at that moment that ignited something and that really fueled my drive and ambition to go on and achieve things. So I'm very grateful for all those people who, who've doubted me. And I'm sure there's still people to this day that doubt me in, you know, my high jumping career. And if so, leave them at it because it's something that fuels me, something that, you know, that motivates me to go on and achieve my goal. So no, I'm very, I'm very fortunate for that moment. Um, very happy those people were looking down on me. Well, yeah, now look who's laughing. Now you're looking down on them, which is absolutely great to see. You weren't just into basketball. There was some swimming then you took up as well when you were younger. Yeah, so I I did it, you know, various different sports from a very young age. So basketball, obviously, being my main sport, was also quite a big soccer fan as well. So I played a lot of soccer for one of the local teams in, in Clarny. Um, played some tennis. I actually won an able-bodied tennis competition when I was 12 years of age. Um, up in Dublin, so like I, the tennis was something that I would kind of rarely play, but it was something that was usually just a summer sport for myself, where I'd go up to Dublin with my aunt and we'd play some tennis, and I entered myself for a competition and I ended up winning the competition. So um, I, I've always I've always wanted to test out my limitations and to see what can't be done. Um, even like when I finished playing basketball and before I got into high jump, I even took up weightlifting with my stepfather Dermot. Um, he was a guy who really got me into lifting and sort of got me that general sort of foundation of strength. And when I just turned 17, I bench pressed 100 kilos with my prosthetic arm. So I've I've always wanted to test out my limitations, as I said, and I've always wanted to get involved in loads of different things. 
Well, the determination is really there. I think we can all see that. But tell us then about the high jump, because it's like it's to be honest, it's not often you see Kerry people doing a high jump. I mean, Kerry people are interested in football, Jordan. They're not interested in high jumps. Yeah, sure. Don't we know that? Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> getting involved in high jump is a quite an interesting story where it all started back in secondary school. So for fifth and sixth year of my leaving cert, I decided to do leaving cert applied which is different to the typical leaving cert route that the majority of students would go down. And a requirement and part of that course, um, you have to have a work experience for each quarter of the year. So I decided to do my work experience for the first quarter in the Carver Centre in Tralee. So they're an organisation that help people with disabilities through physical activity and sport. And I'm and currently an, an, an ambassador for them then as well. So it's an organisation that definitely means a lot to me. Um, and they they asked me um, if I wanted to go up to the National Seminar for Inclusion that was going to be on in December of 2016, I believe. And they wanted to create a video of myself highlighting my achievements to date. Um, and one of the guest speakers at the event was Jason Smith, who's the fastest Paralympian of all time, second fastest man in Irish history, everybody there disabled. And I remember having a chat with him and I obviously knew who he was and he actually knew who I was through my sporting background. And he said, look, Jordan, there's a Paralympic Expo, Expo going to be on the following month in January of 2017 that, you know, he encouraged me to go up and to get involved and try out all the different sports that were available to try out. And in my own words, I said, sure, look, I'll go up for the crack and I'll see what it's <laughs> like. And I remember going up the following month in January, um, finding out that four different disciplines saw serious potential in my ability to take on their sport at a serious level. So I then had a decision to make where, you know, if I definitely wanted to stop playing basketball at this stage, um, if I wanted to try something new, uh, test out my limitations yet again, and if so, what sport was I going to choose? Um, so the four sports that were interested in me was the two jumping events, which is high jump, long jump, um, cycling, believe it or not, and badminton. So quite a wide range of uh, sports to choose from there. Um, but with some great thought and consideration, I decided I'd go with the high jump because high jump would probably be the sport I'd enjoy the most, first of all, and the sport I'd probably be best at. But because with my basketball background, I've always had a yeah. decent sort of high, high jump, you could say. So uh, I made that decision back in January of 2017 and I had my first international competition three months later in uh, in uh, Germany, in Berlin, where I finished fourth out of four people. So you can only imagine how disappointed I was at that, considering my mentality is always one, you know, yeah. to never be satisfied. So mm -hmm. I actually, like, so when people ask me when I started the item, I don't say that I started it in 2017. I always say that I started it in 2018, because that's when I actually started taking things seriously and I had a proper coach, had a structured routine and that's where it all began. So, and it's funny how that happened as well, where I was actually at the track with my stepfather Dermot again and um, in Unreaped in Castle Island. And uh, one of the local athletes was at the track and he could see that, you know, I was struggling and that I kept on hitting the bar and that I was getting angry at myself and, you know, getting down. And he offered to give me a hand for the remainder of the session. And in that session alone, I felt like I learned an, an awful lot from him. And his name was Tomas Griffin, 
one of the local athletes um, at that time. And he said that he was going to be at the track same time next week and that he'd be willing to give me a hand again. And the weeks just kept on rolling and rolling from there, really. And it then came to a stage where he had a chat with me and he said, look, Jordan, I see some serious potential in you and your ability to be a good high jumper. But the one thing that he said to me, and it still sticks to me to this day, is that you have to give me 100% or nothing. And that's a motto and quote that I use by across all my social media platforms. Um, it's his quote for the record. It's not mine. It's his quote. I'm not going to say it's my quote. Um, where basically, if you're going to do something, you give it 100%. Uh, there's no point doing it 50%. Just don't do it at all. Give it maximum effort and nothing less. And it was at that point I knew that, you know, things were really going to start progressing, which they did rapidly, where, you know, I increased my PEB by 1 meter 55 to 1 meter 84 in the space of four months. Um, you know, I increased my overall speed by 30%. Um, I lost eight kilos of body weight as well in the space of four to five months to shaping up, to have that high jumper build. And that was just down to a genuine guy in Tomas wanting the best for me and wanting, you know, for me to fulfill my potential. So that's when things started really to, to get good. And I ultimately, we ultimately won a bronze medal seven months after meeting each other. Well, it's amazing because I think people, people in Ireland, I think, kind of start with their sport at a very young age and they're doing it all their life. And then they get to this moment where they're going to the Paralympics and they're going to the Olympics. But you're at it so short, you know, it's such a short space of time. And for you to get where you are is pretty amazing. Can you talk me through the technical side or maybe like the technique you have when it comes to the high jump? I mean, what goes through your head? You're obviously standing there waiting to have like, my take it is you're standing there, you're waiting to have a run up with your jump, your turn, but like what's the technical side thing? What's going through your head? There is endless amount of cues that you have to think of and it's something that you really have to train your mind to remember as well. Yeah. It's a mental game more so than a physical game. Um, so you, you need to know exactly how far away from the bar your approach is, how far out it's going to be, your stride length coming into the bar, how fast you're coming in towards the bar, are you following your lean? Are you following the curve? Are you using the correct arm movement? Are you putting your feet down firmly flat so that you're not towing the ground, which isn't causing pain in your patella? Is your foot placement in the correct place? Is your penultimate step where it should be? Is it low enough? Is it in the correct position? Are you flopping over the bar at the right time? You're not traveling over the bar. That you tilt your head back and that you land perfectly without breaking your neck. Um, like there's more like there, <laughs> there, there's, there's more can I ask what is like all that in 10 seconds less all that in how many seconds how much are you trying to... four four or five so you're trying to think of all that technique in about four seconds I'm trying to jump six foot seven in four seconds <laughs> and and you're thinking of all those things as well you know people just think you run up and give an all jump and that's it you know but I knew there was it a is... crazy technique to this it's so much more than that because like you can be an exceptionally good athlete with a really good jump, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good high jumper. And I've seen it in people who tried it. They just can't master it. It's a combination of strength, power, explosiveness, flexibility, agility, diligence, um, mental toughness even as well, because like high jump can be very much a love hate relationship at times. If things aren't going well, it can be, you know what I mean? So um, it's about keeping the head in those crucial moments then as well. Um, 
So it's it's um, such an interesting sport where the bar is continuously being raised. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, with less less than ninety days to Tokyo now, I think it is. Yeah, so less than less than ninety days to Tokyo. Um, something that's really exciting. Um, obviously, you know, I'm I'm very grateful for all the supporting network that I have. Obviously, with my coach Tomas, my you know my parents, my family. And then, you know, my sponsors as well, you know, Circle K being one of the main big sponsors. Um, and I think what they're doing, especially on the lead of the Tokyo, is fantastic with the Tutti Marin initiative where, you know, it is going to be a very, it is going to be a tricky Olympics and Paralympics. I don't think I'd look, we'd be lying if we were to say otherwise. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad experience. And it's something that we're all crucially looking forward to. And I think with the Tutti Maryland initiative, how, you know, the fans at home and the supporters at home, that they can write lovely key messages and do lovely drawings and post them over to the Tokyo village. And to be able to see that support from home, you know, by that being done with Circle K, I think that's fantastic. And that's fantastic, Andrew. Really interesting chat there that Valerie had with Jordan Lee, the para-athlete and high jumper, preparing for the Tokyo Summer Games. And as you mentioned, Circle K's initiative, um, which gives you the chance to... You can pick up postcards in your local Circle K store and you can write or draw your message to support Team Ireland and then they'll be on display at uh, Team Ireland's camp in the Athletics uh, Tokyo's Athlete Village. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And that was really, really uh, a really interesting chat there with the Kerry man. And uh, if you missed any of that... It'll be on our podcast, which will be on redfm.ie shortly. But that is it from us for tonight. Thank you very much indeed for tuning our way. We're back next Saturday and Sunday at 6pm. Three hours of the best Irish music coming your way on Green and Red with Conor Halpin right after this. Thanks very much for joining us, folks. We'll talk to you next week. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.